the Sinai experience, an event etched into the identity of the Jewish people, God's miraculous removal of his nation from the oppressive servitude of ancient Egypt, and the subsequent route trip to receive the Torah in the Sinai Desert is our origin story. But for many Jews, this story has played a much more powerful role. It has convinced them of the unique truth of the Jewish religion. I'm Avi Cohen, and this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 9 of Jewish Thought Flow. This is part 3 of the Sinai Proof. In part 1 of the Sinai Proof, we laid the basic premise of the proof, which is that a man would not be able to convince a nation of a wide miracle that they themselves were supposed to have witnessed if it didn't actually happen. So, if we take literally our story of leaving Egypt, splitting the Red Sea, the ten plagues, going to the mountain to receive the Torah, hearing God speak to Moses... That is not a possible story to sell to a group of people unless they actually had witnessed it. So if you're telling them that they saw it and they didn't, they wouldn't be able to believe that. We differentiated the Jewish religion story from all other stories because in most other starts of religions, it's where the leader is telling over a miracle that happened to him privately, which is not something the people listening to the story would know to be false. Therefore, they might believe it. The Jewish story is something they should know to be false, and therefore, they would never believe it. Part two, we had a question on that, which is, who says that this man who started the religion was speaking to the group that was supposed to have seen the actual revelation and miracles, public miracles? Perhaps he was speaking to a much later group and telling them that they are merely descendants of the their ancestral group, which had witnessed the miracles. This is a story they will not know to be false because they did not witness it to be false. And they might believe it if he's charismatic and shows some miracles and provides all the other things that religion starters do. And we said that if that were the case, we would have a gap in our history, meaning our history would reflect such a story where the man starting the religion would approach a group of people who had no idea of that religion. He would tell them over that this is their Torah of their ancestors, and he would give it to them and they would buy it. And then that's where the second half of the religion would start, which is basically you would have the Moshe story with the Jews leaving Egypt, the receiving of the Torah. You'd have the gap where the Jews forgot the Torah or the previous Jews died out and the Torah was lost. And then you have the reintroduction, the pivotal moment in Jewish history where the religion actually started. But in our Jewish history, it would be the reintroduction of the, of the uh, religion where this second Moses came and uh, regave them the Torah. So we said that gap should exist. And then we brought two examples of such a gap that seemed to exist in our Jewish history. So the first one we brought was Yoshio, which was a king right before the destruction of the first temple, who seemed to be reading a Torah, finding and reading a Torah to a group of Jews who had no idea that it existed. The second uh, story was Ezra. Ezra lived during the intermediary years between the first and second temple, and we read from the book Nehemiah, that Ezra actually read the Torah to a group of people who were shocked to find out that there's a mitzvah called Sukkot. Not only that, but it said in the Torah, in the Tanakh, that they had not done Sukkot since Yeshua Benun. So that seems to be another gap. Yeshua Benun was the immediate successor of Moshe, which was a lot of years earlier. So it seems like we do have gaps, and that's where we are right now. We're going to see if we can close these gaps and show how there are really no gaps in the Jewish history, and therefore Moshe must have spoke directly to the group of people who the religion started with, 
and therefore could not have sold them a fake story, especially one as ours, and therefore the story must have been true. Okay, so the first thing to point out about both of those stories, and I think it's important to re-listen to part two if you do not remember the details. I can't go through all of them right now, but to really get the story. So I just want to point out two, uh, a quick thing about the stories. In neither story does it really speak out what we're looking for in reintroduction, right? It does not say outright that the group of people that Ezra and y- Yoshio approached did not know the Jewish story and the Torah. So really, the best we're looking at is situations where it's plausible where such a gap could have been. So, like in the story of Yoshio, when they found the scroll of Moses, or the the um, acting out of Sukkot for the first time since Joshua, since Yeshua, they're merely clues that suggest there may have been a gap, but it's nowhere explicit that the group of people he was talking to had no idea of the Torah. They were just shocked to find what was in the scroll of Moses, Perhaps because this group didn't weren't weren't particularly learned. Perhaps they had not learned in a long time. It does not say that they had no idea of the Jewish religion. Um, but there are decent clues that maybe they had no idea of the Jewish religion, and that's all we need really for to break up the proof. We, proof we have to show that there is a plausible time where such a gap could have existed. Why? Why am I pointing out that there's no real explicit gap? Because we're inferring. We're inferring from a story that there's a gap. So if I can show you how there's no possible inference could be made from the story that there's a gap, I think it's clear that there is no gap in our Jewish history if we can do that. Okay, so now, first things. In order for the gap to be significant, it has to be long enough that the descendants of the original Jews would not know that this story is false. So for example, if Ezra or Yoshio, our candidates, would come to a group of people and say, two days ago you had this Torah, and you were keeping it, and then all of a sudden yesterday it was lost from all the people. So that would be a gap, but they would not believe it because they know that to not be true. They existed prior to the losing of the Torah, if that were the case, meaning they know when the time period that the Torah was supposed to be lost, they existed for that. So if that's a story they're being sold, that at a certain point the Torah was lost, and they were alive during that period, they would know that to be false. So now, even if he didn't say yesterday, even if Ezra Yusho said it happened 10 years ago, you used to have this Torah and this history and this origin story, that would also not work. Because again, they would have been alive to know that's not true. Similarly, it would not work if Ezra Yusho said all of your parents had this Torah. This is not believable. For the older people in generation existed for both father and son generations. Meaning there's no generation where all the parents are the same age and then all the kids are the same age, right? There's going to be people in intermediary ages. So if you approach a group of kids and say, your parents all had this, and then they just never gave it over, they would just turn to the people who were older than them, but younger than their parents, who existed for both uh, uh, time spans and remembered both histories clearly, and they would have asked, is this true? And the answer, if it wasn't, would be a no. So in order for it to be believable, you need to have a gap where no one is alive or at least a, a reasonable amount of people are alive that would have seen it to be false. So maybe two generations, maybe th- three generations in your gap. You need to push it back far enough that nobody can call you out and say that's absolutely not true. So let's examine our two stories to see if the gap in the tradition is nearly long enough for a false reintroduction to take place. So let's start with the Yoshio story. So the two kings prior to Yoshio were both evil. However, the king before that, so three kings before Yoshio, was one of the most righteous kings in the history of the Jewish people. 
To quote the verse, and here I go, Chizkiah, son of Ahaz, became king. Now, again, I'm not quoting word for word. I'm skipping around a little. Every word that I quote is a little translation translation of what's in the verse. However, not every single word in the verse is going to be translated. But again, you can go check it up and see if I'm unfairly representing it in regards to what we're concerned with here. So Chizkiah, son of Ahaz, became king. He did what was proper in the eyes of Hashem, just as his forefather David had done. He trusted in Hashem, the God of Israel. After him, there was not anyone like him amongst all the kings of Judah, nor among those who preceded him. Basically, he was the best guy ever. He clung to Hashem and did not turn aside from following him. He observed his commandments, which Hashem had commanded Moshe. This is from Malachim Bez, Malachim 2, chapter 18, Perak Yudches. So Chizkiah was a pretty stellar guy when it comes to this Jewish religion thing. So again, this is in our history. So in our story, that would be your stopgap. So whatever the time period, which we're going to see in a second, between Yoshio when he found the Torah, which is the reintroduction of Chizkiah's death, because Chizkiah was someone who kept the Torah, that's your gap. So, as we said, the next two kings were evil. So that should be two generations of Torah eradication, which should be borderline enough to establish the gap theory, because again, two generations should take you back far enough where nobody knows that the ancient story of the Jewish people is false, right? If I can take the gap far enough where you don't remember the Torah because you weren't alive for when the Torah was actually practiced, I cannot call you and say, that's a lie, the Torah was never practiced because you just introduced it now. Okay, however, we're going to see the gap is not long enough. Let's go look. The next two kings were Manasseh and Ammon. So Manasseh was a pretty long reign for being king, right? He was long king for a long time. He was king for 55 years. That's from Malachim Bays, chapter 21, verse 1. Ammon was king for only two years, very small reign. That's from chapter 21, verse 19. Now, Yoshio was the next king. And as we said, he found the Torah in his 18th year. We said the last episode that Yoshio found the Torah in his 18th year. So if you do a little bit of simple arithmetic, that's 55 plus 2 is 57, plus 18 is 75. So that's the total years of the gap. Now, if Yoshio was truly the man who started the religion, and prior to him, no one had any knowledge of Torah or the basic story of the Jewish people, then this gap is what he must have told his followers. Meaning, this is the story that he's telling them. That means, even if he told them that in the first year of Manasseh, because again, in his story, Chizkiah is already good, so in everybody's history that they're now going to tell over to their kids is, this great religion that we've been told about, Chizkiah was a great guy in the religion. So you have to start from Manasseh. So even if he told them that in the first year of Manasseh, he had already succeeded in wiping out the entire religion from his people, which again is very suspect. If you have a king who's pushing the religion very highly, and then the next year it's completely eradicated so that now you have to live off a memory of the religion, that is very unlikely. But let's even pretend. So you would still only have 75 total years of the gap. Right, because if Manasseh got rid of religion year one, now we only now. So that guy who saw the first year of Manasseh was the last man to have seen the Jewish religion again in the story that's being sold. Then you only have seventy five years till Yoshia found the Torah. This means, in the population he's trying to sell the story to, there will be a percentage of people who saw that he just made up a story. Because again, in his story, seventy five years earlier. 
the Torah was supposed to be alive and well amongst the Jewish people. And that's even assuming Menashe got rid of it in year one, which means anyone over, let's say, the age of 85, which means they were 10 years old at the time, would know that this is false. Furthermore, everyone's parents would have seen this religion, right? Because if you go one generation back, you have a lot of, let's say, 45-year-olds who were alive at the time and now died out only now. So everyone's parents should have seen this religion in this story, and it would seem highly suspicious that not a single one of them mentioned anything about Judaism and the Torah and the Egypt story to any of them. Because again, if Yoshio really made it up, their parents really didn't know it, but their parents should have known it. So they would be a little concerned why none of their parents ever mentioned such an idea. So again, it's probably something they would know to be false, but let's even pretend that it's possible. None of them asked their parents and they said, look, the fact that their parents didn't tell us, maybe they were really spooked out about these evil kings. They didn't tell us. I think we can buy this story. A stronger question remains here though. Why would Yoshia make up a story that it's possible to disprove, right? Being as he's making up a religion from scratch and making up a previous history to, to create a strong religion or a background to his religion, why would he pick a starting point that is possible that people know it to be false? Why wouldn't he just say like 200 years or 300 years ago or 500 years ago? Why would he say 75 years ago this happened when he knows there are old people in the generation who know that's not true. And he knows that everybody's parents who are dead but should have told their kids know that that's not true. If he's making up a religion, why is he putting it so close? Unless it really happened. But it gets even better. So now, Diver Yamim is the last work in the 24 books of Tanakh. So it's an historical run-through of the kings of Israel, written by, and I mean Israel, not the territories of Israel, but the Jewish people, written by Ezra. Yes, our, our Ezra. This is uh, information can be found in Baba Basra 14a. So as we said, Ezra lived around 400 BC. This story that we're talking about with Yoshio took place in 458 BC, so about 50, 60 years earlier. So this event was pretty fresh at the point of writing Divrei Yamin. Now, Divrei Yamin, we learn about Menasha, the really evil king who was supposed to have a 55-year reign. And we learn about him doing tshuva, not only private tshuva, but public reform for the entire Jewish nation in the middle of his reign as king. The impetus for this tshuva was his capture at war and his subsequent prayer to God. And after successfully returning from capture, the Pasuk says, Then Manasha, the verse says, Then Manasha realized that Hashem is God. He removed the strange gods and the images from the temple of God and all the altars that he had built in the mountain of the temple of God. He rebuilt the altar of Hashem and slaughtered peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings on it. And he commanded Yehuda, which is the portion that he was king over, to worship Hashem, the God of Israel. This effectively kills the gap theory. Because he was the biggest evil eradicating Torah king in the whole gap. He provided 55 years of those 75 years of the gap. But now that we know that he did tshuva halfway through the gap, at the end of his reign, he lived out his life teaching the Jewish people about God and telling them to serve him. You've knocked him out of the gap. So now you have to wait for Amon, who really was evil, to provide for the destruction of Torah. And from him until Yoshia finding the Torah, we only have 20 years. This is not enough time for the gap. 
because anybody over the age of, of 20 or 30, I guess they have to be 10 in order to know the story, but anybody over the age of 30 knows this is not true because they were alive when Menashe was supposed to have done tshuva, and if the religion had just been made up now, then Menashe couldn't have done tshuva because there was no uh, tshuva to be done. There was no religion yet because he's making up this story. So clearly there wasn't any gap longer than 20 years, but I think it gets even worse. Our tradition, as brought in the Talmud, which is Sanhedrin 103b, states that, and I quote, Menashe abolished Hashem's name and destroyed the altar, but Amon burnt the Torah. This suggests that the Torah existed at the time of Amon. The Torah scroll, with all its information, existed at the time of Amon. This again shows that no such mention of religion gap is possible here. Because again, even Amon had a Torah by him, which means anybody who was alive for Amon, which is only 18 years before Yoshio found the Torah, should have known about a Torah. So if Yoshio is really making up a religion with a Torah, people would know that to be false because they would say, well, I was alive 20 years ago. There was no Torah. Amon didn't destroy any Torah because we didn't have this religion. Now, you may be thinking that it's unfair to pull from later works in Jewish history, like Divrei Yom and the Talmud, because who says that things happened as it says in those books? But to this, we can answer that one of the fundamentals of this argument, which we mentioned in episode two, or part two, is that the story that the religious fanatics are sold is the one they are going to adhere to. Therefore, if we were sold a story about a gap and a reintroduction, that story we should have. Because this is our religion. This is our origin story. We are going to keep that story. The fact that in our history books, Divriyamim, and our tradition, the Talmud, there's no gap, then this means it was not the story we were sold because we would have had that story. So that takes care of Yoshia's story. We see there is no gap by Yoshia. Yoshio, sorry, there's no gap by Yoshio. Now let's turn to the Ezra story. The Ezra story said, again, was that it seemed like the community he was addressing in the land of Israel did not know what was written in Torah. And they didn't even know what Sukkot was, which is a major holiday. This seems to imply that the gap in religion that we're looking for to recreate the religion or to invent the religion is right here where we want it. However, obviously, if we were to find an earlier community of Jews had already traveled to the land of Israel prior to Ezra's arrival, only a couple years earlier, and seemed to know about the Jewish holidays and Sukkot and all the rest of them, this would knock out the gap. And that's exactly what we find. Nehemiah lived during the same time as Ezra and was also a leader in Babylonia. Prior to Ezra's arrival in Israel, Nehemiah took a large contingent of Jews, numbering 42,360 from Babylonia to the land of Israel. That's in book of Ezra chapter 2. This happened because the Jews had finally been given permission to return to their land and rebuild their temple. So this trip occurred prior to the building of the temple. Now Ezra only arrived in Israel after the building of the temple. Now, this group of Jews observed the following things after arriving in Israel. And I quote, The seventh month arrived, and the children of Israel were settled in their cities. The people then assembled as one man to Jerusalem. They built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings upon it. As it is written in the Torah of Moses, the man of God, they then observed the holiday of Sukkot as it is written. This story is written earlier and occurred earlier than Ezra's supposed introduction of Sukkot and the Torah to a group of people. So again, clearly there's no gap here that would allow for the introduction of a new religion because they knew about Sukkot 
immediately prior to Ezra's arrival in Israel. Now, how do we do, what do we do with those puzzling passages which seem to imply they hadn't kept Sukkot since the days of Joshua ben Nun? I don't know. It's not our topic. You can look at the commentaries there. A lot of them suggest it meant they had not so much joy in their fulfillment of Sukkot since the times of Yeshua ben Nun. It was a very joyous time. They just gotten Israel back. However, what we clearly see is that you have no group of people who are completely unaware of a Jewish religion. In fact, you have the opposite. You have a group of people who were very aware, aware of a Jewish religion, and especially the holiday of Sukkot, which is meant to, mentioned explicitly before Ezra's introduction. Okay, that is one problem with the gap theory, is that there is no gap. Even the apparent gaps we'll look closely at are not gaps at all. The second point, which I think might even be more powerful, is that there's no real reintroduction story. So now, if one assumed the gap in reintroduction, so then this reintroduction should be a major event in the Jewish faith. After all, being as this is the actual start of the faith, this is the only authentic religious experience that the Jews actually had, because again, every other part of history would be falsified. In this paradigm, there would be no Moshe leaving Egypt or receiving the Torah. They're merely fake historical backdrops, God forbid, for our religion to get off the ground. So being as this is the case, you would expect a nice portion of our faith dedicated to this reintroduction event with Yoshio or Ezra playing a far more central role in Jewish faith. These are our guys. These are the people who actually started the religion. These are the only people we actually have seen, actually know, actually experienced. They should be the main part of the Jewish story. This reintroduction should be the main part of the Jewish faith. However, we find the opposite to be true. These events, while technically inferable from stories as presented in Tanakh, they aren't revolutionary religion starting experiences you would have expected. If the story truly was where Yoshio or Ezra approaches the Jews who know nothing of Torah, and then have to demonstrate to them their divine mandate to reintroduce Torah in the world, including an explanation of how they know Torah and nobody else does. Why is that whole interplay omitted? This is the biggest moment in Jewish history, and it's missing from our history. Instead, we have a story that might kind of suggest that Jews didn't know part of the Torah, which we saw is not even the case anyways. Furthermore, Yoshio and Ezra are not the most important people in a religion. To test this out, Ask any religious fourth grader, Jewish religious fourth grader, who either of them are or what they did, and most of them would not be able to answer you. Ezra, they might. Yoshio, they for sure would not be able to. And even Ezra, they would have no idea what he does. They probably heard the name before. However, if you ask them who the patriarchs were, or Moshe, or King David, they would answer in a heartbeat. They don't know exactly who those people are. And yet those people are far less important than Yoshio Ezra if they're the people who actually started the religion or at least reintroduced it to the people, because again, they would put themselves in a central role. They're the most important people in religion. They're the ones who actually started it. If it's true that these men started our religion, then how is it possible that they are so insignificant? Again, the people who were sold the fake story will believe it religiously. They would create a cultish attachment to the most important religious leader in their experience, the man who gave them Torah. When telling over the story of their kids, they would start with the story of how Ezra, Yoshio, the prophets of God, gave them back their history, and only then slowly build back up to the ancient histories that they had never seen of Moshe, or the Avos, the patriarchs, or of David, King David. Instead, the most important moment, or the seemingly most important moment, are little-known stories tucked away at the end of the Tanakh 
this is clearly not our origin story. And being as this is not our origin story, we have no gap in our origin story, then it must be that some man Moses did sell us a story of leaving Egypt, seeing the ten plagues, seeing the Red Sea divide, going to the to the mountain and receiving the Torah. And this is only possible if it actually had happened.